the unexplainable, paranormal, conspiracies, and much more. Starring your host and co-host, Jenny Nicasio, Sean Kelly, and Jason Sledgehammer, Ryan Petro. Brought to you by UPRN Network. Now for your host, Jenny Nicasio. Good evening and welcome to Chasing Prophecy on FM 105.3 New Orleans, where we discuss anything and everything beyond the scope of normal. Remember to like us on YouTube and follow us on Instagram. Hello, boys. Hello. How are you today? I'm okay. Uh, What a rough day today. What a rough day. I'm sorry. That was a pretty good day for me other than... Just taking a nap. <laughs> I didn't take any naps now. So why is it such a rough day for you, Sean? Well, because, uh, you know, I work at um, a grocery store, right? Um, Shop and Save, I'll say it here in Pittsburgh. And uh, I had more dumb questions from customers today that I could deal with in a lifetime. It just seemed like every five, ten minutes, someone would come up with the most stupidest questions. Okay, give and, us a, give us an example of yeah, yeah, stupid question. I want to hear this. What do we got? What do we got from the Pittsburghers here? Here, here's what we got. Okay, <laughs> so and this happened to me back at John Nagel's. This this thing follows me. Well, a girl bought a whole ham right today. Bought a whole ham, and she said, "Can you cut it down the middle?" I said, "Sure, not a problem." And as I was walking back to the meat room, okay. She says, excuse me, excuse me, um, do you think you can get me a slice out of the ham in the middle? I said, sure, not a problem, not a problem at all. So as I turn around and I start walking back on my father's grave, the lady said to me, does that mean you have to cut it down the middle? (laughs) Whoa. That was <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then I got somebody into an argument today with somebody who knows the difference between a ribeye and a Delmonica. Now, let me explain it to our, our viewers, listeners here. Anything above the Mason Dixie line, it is considered a Delmonica. Anything below the Mason Dixie line, it's called a rib steak. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, 20 minutes fighting with this woman knowing that she, I was like please 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 and so those are the two main ones today but now I'm here well anything between the 200 square miles of southeastern Massachusetts I believe is called the Bridgewater Triangle <laughs> I think. Anyways, we have a really cool, yeah, we have a really cool guest on the show tonight. Um, Christopher, um, I think I would know this since I'm part Italian. Paul's Paul Zeno. Is that how you pronounce his name, Sean? Pazano. Pazano. Belzano. Pazano. Pazano. He's a teacher. He's a teacher and a, um, folklorist living in Boston area and he's going to discuss his book tonight and he's also um, been known to be an investigator of the unknown for 12 years 
He's a regular on several paranormal radio shows and has also appeared on a documentary that I just watched yesterday. Um, that was about the um, bridge, bridge, how you say it? Bridge water, bridge water, bridge over trouble water, bridge water triangle. Okay, so he is going to be on the show, and he's like I said, he's appeared on several documentaries and television specials on the supernatural. And for the t- past 20 years, the people along the Massachusetts Rhode Island border, okay, that's known mm-hmm. as the Bridgewater Triangle. So many odd things have happened. Some people call it the uh, what is that, the Disney World of the Paranormal, because there's so many strange things that happen there. But um, for but for centuries before that, the triangle <clears throat> has been a haven for the unexplained. This is going back way back. Ghosts. There's been sh- scenes of like crazy stuff with animals, wolves, like the dogman and um, Bigfoot, cryptic creatures. So this is going to be an interesting show. And there's also um, I'm not sure how to use the Hockam. A Hakka Mock. I I couldn't figure that out. That's a real big, that's a big spot. And it's (laughs) going back to, oh my God, it's going back to, geez, 1675 when there was a, uh, they lost, they lost 500 Englishmen and 3,000 Native Americans. A bloody massacre with, um, Mm -hmm. they called it King Philip, uh, with King Philip. And um, so we got him on the show tonight. So, let me go ahead and bring him on uh, without further ado. Um, thank you for joining us tonight, Christopher. Hey, um, great tonight. Hey, I thought I had a great hat, but Jenny, you've got you've got my hat totally. Oh, I got I got I collect yeah. them. I love my hats. It's especially pretty amazing, time, especially this time of the year. I'm going to get some new ones. <laughs> I know there's some on one side and Spirit Halloween <laughs> store. There's a really cool one I want to pick up. Yeah. Okay. So, Chris, tell us. Um, how in the heck did you get involved in this? Uh, well, actually, uh, you said 12 years. I've been doing this since 1994. Oh, um, okay. Actually, the, <laughs> my two triangle books are now 12 years old, which makes me feel really ridiculously old because it was like what I thought was going to be my heyday, and, and I guess my heyday never happened. Um, but uh, I actually started, I mean, like a lot of people my age, uh, I always say I was a generation that was uh, raised on going to horror movies um, with your parents in a drive-in and you would watch like, um, you know, uh, the Fox and the Hound and then the exorcist would be after it and you were supposed to be asleep <laughs> by the time the exorcist rolled around, but you never were. Right. And, uh, we were the first generation that were raised on HBO. So when our parents went to sleep, they showed all the best stuff on HBO after dark Saturday parents would night. go to sleep. You'd go in there and you'd see these absolutely horrific horror movies. And it was like, Oh my word. Like it just awoke something in me avid reader, just consume, consume, consume. Um, And then when I went to college, I went to Emerson College in Boston. And, excuse me, my dorm was the Charles Gate Hotel, which is one of the most haunted buildings in Boston. And in addition to these crazy, weird experiences we would have, uh, what I started to notice is that people would tell stories uh, about why they were happening, right? All the background stuff. And I would hear the same weird uh, happening and three different people would give me three different backstories, but better yet, all of those backstories were 
things that I had been reading about in books, in Time Life books. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not here. That happened in Chicago. And and that story right there, no, 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 no. I heard that story from Bethesda, Maryland. And I started to realize that we, uh, as normal people, right, whatever that might mean, the paranormal is not, it's not normal for us. It's not something that occurs every day. And when it does happen, and it does happen, we have to process it through some kind of filter. And we process that through folklore, through stories that we um, that we know, that are familiar to us, that we can fall back on. And, and we all kind of know, they're, whether they're campfire stories or whether they're these classic ones that have uh, fairy tales that have kind of changed over time, we hear them, we believe them because we want to make sense of the experience. And so I started documenting not only hauntings, but the stories that revolve around them. And that was my first kind of um, um, experience was my website, Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads, at that intersection between a true haunting and the stories that evolve around it. And since then, happened to be, once again, old guy here, happened to be the internet was kind of just waking up. I was one of the first websites to focus just on the state of Massachusetts. And things just kind of went from there. Cool. By the way, not in Massachusetts anymore. I've Unfortunately, I've lived down here in Florida for about 13 years now. Uh, oh, wow. So, so I, I, I am uh, comfortably far enough away from the triangle, although it still seems to get its fingers on me all the time. What part of Florida are you located in? Uh, I live in southwest Florida. So uh, uh, if you know Florida, all uh, outside Fort Myers. Okay. I oh, was just okay. down there a couple of weeks ago for the first time in my life. And, uh, you know, we started off at, like Jacksonville, Miami, Key West, uh, Ocala and stuff like that. It was, it was nice down there. I really liked it. Actually, yeah. the book that I'm working on right now uh, is focused on the Ocala because the Ocala is the Bridgewater Triangle. It is the uh, Freetown State Forest of Florida. And it, and it actually dwarfs the crazy things that go on in the Freetown State Forest. Nice. Nice. While I was there, I did pick up a book. I, um, I got to start reading it. It's uh, like the haunted histories of places in Florida and everything, you know, so I'm really excited, you know, being that I was down there for the first yeah, time, yeah. I'm excited to, you know, check all that out. And um, while you're at it, you're going to get my new book, which is Haunted Florida <laughs> Love Stories, I hope. All right. Oh, really? All right. Plug, plug. You might as well plug things in the beginning. So if people get bored <laughs> of me and turn you guys off, I've at least got like the book sale in. <laughs> Okay, so what what got you really interested in the triangle? Um, I mean, what did anything happen to you that made no, you uh, well, go there? Yes and no. So um, it's it's important to understand that the Bridgewater Triangle was coined in the late seventies by Lauren Coleman, um, codified kind of officially in nineteen eighty three in Mysterious America, and uh, the idea, the concept of the Bridgewater Triangle, kind of laid dormant. Um, activity in the triangle didn't lay dormant, but it, it kind of was, no one was talking about the Bridgewater Triangle the way they do today, necessarily. A book came out in 94 called The New England Ghost Files, which anyone who's from New England who's into ghosts at all will claim this is like one of the best books of all time. It's just a great, great story, a great book. The author of it happened to live in Rehoboth, Florida, Rehoboth, Florida, Rehoboth Massachusetts, which is one of the um, apexes of the triangle. One Halloween, I went out and we decided to uh, legend trip, I guess we would call it now, legend trip as many of the different stories from that book that we can. Now, by that time, I had my website, right? So I'd post something about Boston 
I'd get a little traction. I'd post something about the Brockton area, a little traction. I posted uh, about things in Rehoboth, like specifically the redheaded hitchhiker of Route 44. And I would see the hits on my website go through the roof. I would get tons of emails and responses. And so I started saying, what, what, what's up with that area? And then I started getting more information about other places in the triangle. I would post something uh, not triangle related and get no feedback. I would post something triangle related, not understanding that there wasn't even a triangle at this time. And, and it would just go, it would just go crazy. And so I started doing research and um, in my research, I found the work of Chris uh, Pittman and he had kind of connected with, he was more of a cryptid UFO person. I'm more of a ghost person. And he was very uh, much in tune with the Bridgewater Triangle and what was going on. And as I'm looking at him, I'm like, wait a minute, I worked with that guy. Chris oh, wow. Pittman and I had worked together for like a year and a half at my sister's sub shop, literally right next to each other, joking with each other all the time and didn't realize we were both researching the same area um, nice. and both were kind of uh, 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 walking in each other's footsteps without even, even knowing it. It's funny because I just read, we got to, the documentary that Jenny was referring to earlier, got a really bad review uh, the other day. And so the director posted it. So I looked at some of the reviews of the movie and I find it hilarious that people who are watching a documentary about Bigfoot and Sasquatch and, and Puckwudgies and ghosts and demons and satanic murders and all this crazy stuff, they couldn't believe that Chris Pittman and I had actually worked with each other. Like that was the thing that would baffle people's minds. Um, but what cool. happened was literally it was, it was one of those things like it was, it was um, uh, uh, you know, birth by fire, I guess. I kept going out there and looking into these stories and publishing them on the website. And by doing that, I, more people would contact me and more people would get in touch with me. And over time, it just became, you know, my website ended up becoming kind of a, a, a repository for Bridgewater Triangle stories until I wrote my first two books. Wow. So you still in contact with Chris? Is he still up there in Massachusetts working the um, Triangle? Uh, yeah, well, you know, and maybe we, depending on where we want to go with this conversation, um, the, the, the Bridgewater Triangle has a, a lasting effect on the people that look into it. Um, okay. It's something that outsiders are, are, are feasting on. I'm not sure if you guys know of the new podcast that's out there called Bridgewater. Um, no, never heard which of it. Is, okay, so we can, we can get into that a little bit later, but the, the, the simple question to your, the simple answer to your question is, uh, Chris is active and he's out there sometimes because investigating and doing what he does has taken such a toll on him physically and psychologically because of his involvement in the triangle that he kind of pops his head up every once in a while and then like puts it back down and then pops it up once in a while. And he really is. If you're if if if, ang- if the angle of the triangle for you is UFOs uh, um, and, and cryptids, he's the man to talk to and, and kind of our research kind of hand in hand. Um, mm-hmm. a rebirth to the triangle that it's still kind of you know going through right now. Cool. Um, I have a question. <clears throat> going back to the history behind it, so this is similar to don't you? Well, this is how I think. This is similar to Skinwalker Ranch that it's a curse from an Indian from the Indians because of all the blood that was shed um, during that 1675. What do you think about that? Uh, the Bridgewater Triangle is an onion. Every time that you think that you have uh, found what causes the activity in the triangle, it totally 
another layer comes out, right? The rug comes under your feet and now something new is introduced. So it there there have been over the years like psychics who have who have kind of made this this connection between uh, King Philip's War. Historians that are into the paranormal also want to make that connection. Um, of course, there's a, if you saw the documentary, there's the wampum belt story that I that I tell in that in that documentary. But in reality, I live here in I live here in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at the way that Europeans. Uh, carved out their little world in in America, right? The the Spanish conquered, right? The Spanish literally like just came in and wiped people out. The English converted, right? They came in, they made friends. Let's do a little trading. Oh, by the way, don't you love Jesus? Now, by the way, like I'm not going to trade with you unless you like Jesus. And, and so <laughs> it's this kind of it's two very different ways to take over a people, right? Like, right. The, the absolute bloodshed and the, um, the insanity mm-hmm. um, of, the, of the King Philip's War on both sides, uh, both sides of the fence. So you have Wampum, uh, uh, Wampanoag who are committing war crimes against the British, British who are committing war crimes against the Wampanoag, doesn't naturally fit either of their personalities. One might say as if they were possessed. Um, and oh. so... Even something, do I think that um, the King Philip's War added to some of the uh, negative juice that's in that area? Do I think a lot of the ghosts that are in the triangle uh, have to do with actual people who have died during those wars, during that war? Yes. But I think that the King Philip's War is another symptom of just the absolute darkness that is the Bridgewater Triangle. So why do you think that there's a lot of things that happen at the swamp? It seems like there's the there's more yeah. cryptic creatures that have been seen yeah. there. Well, I, I think it's you know we whether it's spirits and I and, and I've I've been talking a lot lately about our our movement uh, of of environments right um, and so if we keep carving out every place then anything that's in that place that's left over we're we're intruding on, on their on their land right okay. um, and I'm not even just talking about humans, but I'm talking about, you know, uh, fairies, right? So if you believe in fairies, if you believe in like fairy rings, fairy trees, things like that, every time you cut one of those down, they got to run somewhere, right? They got to go somewhere. They're either going to go into your house or they're going to go further in. The Hakamok is a swamp. It is a primeval, uh, primordial um, nest, right? Mm -hmm. So anything from civilization, from the founding of Massachusetts, from the, the developing of Massachusetts is constantly being pushed into that area and pushed into that area. So you have parts of the Hockamock that no, no one's ever really even been to. You've got parts that, uh, you know, in the last 50, 60 years have been um, expedited, expedited for like the first time. And so, yeah, they see these gigantic snakes, right? But it's also, you know, Massachusetts is not, you know, it's it's this interesting combination of city and rural, and and mm-hmm. and, and suburb becomes you know becomes very rural very quickly. But there's not a lot of woods left, right? There's not a lot of natural land, and so I think those things which might have roamed free. When when Coleman talked about the uh, the Bigfoots, for example, he was talking about the three towns of 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 uh, uh, Bridgewater, Bridgewater, Bridgewater East, or East Bridgewater, West Bridgewater. Even those places are now more developed than they were when Coleman is there, which is why there's even more activity happening in the Hockamock. 
So I think when you take that and then you also take in the potential idea of, you know, are there places where these portals, where these kind of splits in whether it's our universe or a multiverse happen, places like the Hockamock Swamp and the Freetown State Forest are prime locations because they're still unsettled. There's still so much land that is not dug into where in other places there isn't. Well, how, how do you explain all these, these unusual occurrences? Sean, you, you agree with me. Don't you think that um, it's so similar to Skinwalker Ranch? And yes. Yes. Sound like very it, much yeah. so. Yes. And Jason, you agree too? Yeah. You know, something I was, that was on my mind for a second is, um, you know, Chris was saying like down in Florida around Yocala, you're referring to the, the uh, forest as like a triangle area there. What is it about the triangle? You know, the fascin- it's fascinating because you have the Bridgewater Triangle, the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. And you have the know. one in New Mexico that Andy Orn. Yeah. yeah like, what about. is there something like, what is it about a triangle is it all this crazy well, activity? I, I think it's, I think it's a, you know, just think of relationships, right? One person uh, experiencing something or one place having weird stuff happens. That's, that's lo- alone, right? Two, right. it's a coincidence. Three, you now have a triangulation, like literally a, a triangulation, right? That's what it means. You, in other words, you now have between this spot, this spot and this spot stuff happen. So I think we naturally want to create these triangles across the world, right? So start, I mean, I'm, I'm here. They say they have a Tampa triangle. It's the weakest triangle I've ever heard of whatsoever. It's like <laughs> it's, it's like three towns that are right next to each other that all have creepy crap happening, right? Like it's it's not it, – it, but what I always say is this, and this is where the, um, the connection to Skinwalker, you know, Titans, uh, the connection to definitely like the Bennington Triangle, uh, which is in uh, Vermont, the, the, the one you, other one you were talking about is that you can look at – it's not just that stories happen within the triangle. It's that triangle stories happen within the triangle. Ooh. So the classic oh. example I always okay. give is two people are in a bar. They get into an argument. Person one shoots person two. 30 years later, person two's ghost appears. And come into my bar. I'll tell you all about it. And, um, and have a beer and I'll tell you about the ghost and maybe some weird stuff happens. In other words, there's a backstory, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a something that can engage. Triangle stories are not like that. Most of the triangle stories uh, only lead to questions, more questions. They uh, defy. Now, of course, you know, we have our big, like the Hockamock is a huge place. I have never heard a ghost story from the Hockamock Swamp whatsoever, right? But you hear these unusual uh, uh, cryptid stories and UFO mm-hmm. stories in that area. But then you go like a little bit further away, same kind of environment. And let's, you know, I'm not going to name towns, but like if you go like 50 miles to the West, same kind of environment, maybe not quite as swampy and nothing happens. Right. Or you look at a story. um, One of my one of my favorite stories that's in my first book, Dark Woods, is called The Witch of the Woods. Okay. The Witch of the Woods is one of those stories where an entire neighborhood of kids we're all experiencing the same horrific dreams and nighttime visitations, right? All of these uh, uh, tween, I guess we would call them tween now, tween <laughs> boys were all having these uh, dreams where a witch was sexually assaulting them, right? Or like climbing into bed with them. 
they would have dreams where they would be walking in the woods and come upon her house. The person who contacted me initially about it said that he was so jealous when he got to the house and found out she had a husband in his dream. <laughs> this 12 year old <laughs> killed her husband, right? Nice. And, and there were even reports from the, um, the neighborhood, like one kid in the neighborhood, uh, the mom busted down the door and found him physically struggling with something that she couldn't see. None of the boys ever talked about it. None of them ever said what they were experiencing, never shared the dream until a few years later when they all started kind of confirming it, right? That's a triangle story. Who the hell is this woman in the woods? She's untraceable. It doesn't make sense. Her foundation is, there is a foundation of a house back there that this guy showed me to as an adult, right? Um, and and it was it was standing there and it was very interesting. It was one of the most profound moments in, in my paranormal world to have this guy standing at this foundation from something that had traumatized him for his entire youth. The reason he went to college outside of Massachusetts and you know ditched his family and kind of never came back to the house was because this was so horrific. And he's standing there at this foundation and he's crying, right? A grown man and he's crying and I see him finally kind of like getting over it and kind of taking a deep breath and then walking away and his life has been kind of positive since then. That's how, a triangle story. Okay, how far is the um the witch the witch story to Salem? How far? Um <laughs> well, if you belong <laughs> to my family who believe Massachusetts ends at 495, the loop that surrounds it, uh it's uh, uh ridiculously far. It's another world. One yeah. is uh, Salem <laughs> is kind of near New Hampshire. So like here and then uh, um, Freetown is over here near Rhode Island. So they're on opposite ends of the state. Okay. So wouldn't any be connection to anything over there with the witches? No. And, and there was never anything. He, he just, he called her a witch because she physically looked like what he thought of as a witch. She never did anything in particular um, that was uh, witchy in his, mm -hmm. you know, in that world. She you know, just looked like a witch. Yeah, like that stereotypical old woman, long hair. She was wearing a black hat, it seemed. Um, <laughs> um, you know, but the, the interesting about that is, the interesting part about that is, is that um, when I was doing, when I was writing Dark Woods, the, the subtitle of the book, even though my publisher got it wrong on the cover, is Cults, Crime, and the Paranormal in the Freetown State Forest. Mm. And it was an exploration of, it, it started with a question of, is the same thing in Freetown, which is, you know, in my opinion, the heart of the, the triangle, not just because my book's about it, um, is, is the same thing that's causing all of these weird paranormal occurrences and these weird supernatural occurrences. Also the reason why it seems to be a haven for murder and mm -hmm. unusual crimes and all throughout the triangle, higher levels of mental health disorder, higher levels of teen suicide, the Bridgewater State uh, Hospital, uh, which is a mental health facility, uh, uh, like skyrocketed uh, in terms of um, suicides that are committed at that mental health facility compared to anywhere else in the country, are the same things that cause the paranormal parts of things, causing these, I guess we would call them uh, socio, uh, you know, social things or, or uh, um, you know, uh, sociological problems that we're having. Yeah. And in doing that, I looked at some crimes, like some crimes that were really kind of big headlines, murders that were big headlines within Freetown. And, and, and the existence, 100% existence of um, some kind of cult 
in the Freetown State Forest. In doing that, I was tracking small little crimes um, that were kind of supportive of the big cult, right? Mm -hmm. So Alan Alves, who I, who I quote extensively in the book, who you might've seen the documentary, always says, if you see the cult, you're not really seeing the cult because a true, the true big conceptually like moving big things never lets the left hand know what the right hand is doing. So a, a, someone does what they're doing and don't, they don't realize that they're working for a, for a bigger picture. So they commit all these other smaller crimes that, that you see things like abductions, things like uh, drug trafficking, uh, all this kind of stuff. I was actually able to track the movement of this cult from uh, a, the, a, a similar forest right outside of Salem into Freetown uh, over the, the late 70s and early 80s. So you could actually see the crime and these, I don't want to say they're paranormally charged crimes, but they're definitely ones that when you look at them, they raise your eyebrows a little bit as being unusual mm -hmm. um, and, and having some kind of uh, odd paranormal twist or supernatural twist to them. And I, I literally am able to track them in that book from the area where Salem is down into the Freetown State Forest. Yeah, uh, they, a lot of paranormal investigators call it a vortex. Yeah, I'm comfortable uh, with that. Yeah, there's right. a lot of different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was when I was saying like little places in time, like you know portals and stuff like that, vortexes. I think you know vortex is a really um, good newer catch-all for that stuff because at some point you have to say like like I was saying, you go back and it was like okay, so maybe it was the stuff from the 70s that made the triangle. Nope. Cause that stuff led to this and that stuff. And eventually you have to lead to just a shrug. Like, I don't know what the hell is going on, but the idea of a vortex makes sense because there are things that pop up every once in a while in other parts of the area that are very similar to the triangle, um, both in physical description and like what happens. And then it goes back to the triangle again. And so you almost get this feeling that not only is that a kind of veil between worlds, but also a veil between one part of our world and another part of our world. Yeah. Did you ever hear anything about the da the Dayton Rock? What is that called? The Dayton Rock uh, Dayton State Rock? Park? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Dayton, Dayton Rock is, um, while there have been some odd experiences, it's really kind of just an unusual story within the triangle. Uh, so once again, I know Chris Pittman has had paranormal experience with the triangle, but what it really is is just an unsolved mystery. Mm -hmm. So there is this huge rock, which was originally in, I want to say that it was originally in the Taunton River. Um, and it has all of these symbols on it. And no one can exactly figure out what the symbols mean, like what society it comes from, what pre-Columbian society it comes from, except the fact that every society and every background thinks that they have it translated and it, it's, it's them, right? So mm -hmm. especially because the area has such a high concentration of Portuguese, people see Portuguese symbols in the rocks. Um, people see Native American stuff. People compare it to stuff that are on Mayan temples, if that's what. And so it's really this kind of um, mystery that's lasted all the time. It's now out of the, the river and it's in, uh, you know, it's, it, it's kind of like, you know, holding place in like a little house uh, in Dighton. So it's called the Dighton Rock. But it, it, it's, uh, it's more, more than being supernatural or paranormal. It's just one of those things that really scratches your head. And it's a really cool kind of thing to look at and, and, and say, because you really can see every, oh, yeah, what does that mean? And this looks like the name Joseph. 
And this looks like a Chinese symbol I saw on our menu once. And, you know, it really has all this crazy stuff that's on Mm -hmm. it that will probably never be solved because there's (laughs) so much fighting between the different groups over to what it might actually mean. Yeah, they're also saying something about the swamp that there's a the canoe company that some people have seen um, the Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. Did you hear anything about that, or do you? Have I, don't, I, don't, I, don't that? Nothing, I don't know nothing about a canoeing company. I just know mm-hmm. that traditionally, uh, okay, so they have the Rainham Dog Track, mm-hmm. uh, which I think, which I believe now is closed, and right behind the Rainham Dog Track is, I guess you could call it like the unofficial welcome area of the Hockamock Swamp because it's the easiest place for you to enter, mm-hmm. right? It's actually just rocks and says, do not enter. And then you just walk all over the sand <laughs> and you're there, right? Um, but in that area in particular, there have been um, there have been sightings like over the dog track and over the woods of the dog track of these, these gigantic pterodactyl type uh, birds, right? And people just can't explain it by the mere size of them. Like, they actually think they're like low-flying jets, like going like up, you know, up this way. I mean, they're really these unexplained things. I haven't heard of too many uh, Thunderbird kind of sightings in like the last 20 years. I don't know if that's because they've started doing more construction with that area of the triangle as a focal point. Like, they're they're trying to rerun uh, a train through that part, yeah, um, which the track was originally laid and then it was kind of abandoned. And so now they're trying to relay it to, you know, go from essentially the triangle to the Boston area. Um, that's also the same area where they've seen a uh, there used to be a lot of um, demon dog or these gigantic <laughs> red eyed dogs. Yeah, um, and I, I think I think that if people went further into the triangle, f- further into the Hockamock Swamp, uh, they would experience a lot more of that. I think the reason why there's such a high concentration is because it literally is here is here is gambling and here is the craziest part of the place in the earth. You know, like it's right up against the swamp. Wow. There are a lot of people there. So therefore, there are a lot of witnesses in that area. You know, what I find fascinating um, is the Dalton State Hospital that they said that there were some people that they've oh. had some sedan- satanic can't say that right. Cults, satanic cults. Yeah, they they said they did it. They actually did the um, ceremonies in the in the in the state hospital. So this is another good example. Like what what makes the triangle the triangle, right? So now, if we're talking 2021, if someone were to come, first of all, someone were to come to me about triangle stuff, I'd push them off to Chris Pittman or another great person named Andy Lake uh, out in that area because they're they're boots on the ground. But before, like, the publishing of my book, before kind of some of the, do- the documentary was made and things like that, people were approaching me with stories, not saying, here's a triangle story, but rather saying, I'm having this weird, these weird experiences. So the Taunton State Hospital, um, which, uh, depending on who you are, is impossible to ever get into, or I can frequently get in there. Everyone says they can frequently get in there, and I've, I, in my time there, I was never able to get in. But my first teaching job, I'm a teacher. My first teaching job was in a juvenile delinquent step-down program, right? So these were kids who had committed pretty harsh crimes who were going from a secure lockup to uh, uh, like a two-year program to put them back into society, right? A ton of my kids, probably a third of my kids went through Taunton. 
because mm-hmm. as it, you know, Massachusetts are the, it's the original green state, right? They recycle everything. So you have uh, mental health facilities who became tuberculosis hospitals, who became juvenile detention facilities, who became, you know, all this other stuff. And so there's all this energy upon energy, upon energy, upon energy. Mm-hmm. I talked to over the, over my five years working uh, at this, at this jail, essentially, I talked to over two dozen people who did not know each other. Right. So mm-hmm. we're talking teenagers, criminals, but teenagers who would tell me stories of waking up at night and dark men staring at them from the corner of the room. Right? Oh, wow. Many of them, oh. it's like, so I'm asking like physical descriptions, but you got to keep in mind, this is like 1999, right? 2000, things like mm-hmm. Venom. Some of them described him as looking like Venom because that's what they could produce. Uh, some of them said it was, you know, like now, right now, they would say maybe like, you know, a Slender Man type situation or something like that. They had no vocabulary for it. And I would see these kids who were, who had committed rape, uh, they had committed uh, uh, physical assaults, and they would be almost in tears describing their experiences of being in the room, uh, being able to move. So it's not a night terror, right? Mm-hmm. Move. And the thing just watching them tilting his head. Watching it like go running to the thing, watching figures like that just walk up and down. So I started oh, wow. a little research, and it just happened to be all of these people. Uh, once I published about it, started coming out of the woodwork telling me about it. Right, and the story goes. And once again, I had I had kids literally in the hard, most hardcore sections uh, of the suburbs of Boston who were who were heavily deep into gangs, stay in jail for an additional two months rather than go into the basement of Taunton State Hospital. They were that intimidated by it. And the story goes that early on in the days of the hospital, there was a cult that was attached to it. And what would happen is they would bring the most uh, warped out patients and they would put them through these rituals in the basement. Mm. Um, In the basement, I don't know if, I can't say if it's still to this day, but in the basement up until like the turn of this century, those symbols, there were still unexplained symbols on the wall, burnt marks on the ground. And I actually spoke to one man who went down into the basement. And as he hit the last step, he had what can best be described as a time slip. And he sat there feeling the heat from all of these torches, seeing these people uh, in robes uh, chanting, uh, uh, seeing all of this kind of like these little screams going on and muffled screams. And then he kind of went back and he hit the back of the step with his foot and everything just kind of disappeared, you know? And so that is kind of the legacy of Taunton State Hospital. Like many of the uh, um, mental health facilities. And I don't know, I don't, where are you guys from? Like, where are you, what states are you guys in? Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. So I don't know if you guys had been in like the early 2000s, there were a rash of um, fires in mental health facilities that were being converted, most of them being converted into condos hmm. in Massachusetts. So the infamous Danvers State Hospital, which is like the inspiration for uh, the Marston building in, uh, in Salem's Lot. Uh, that burnt. Uh, Taunt, parts of Taunton burned. Uh, Foxborough State Hospital, which is also in the Triangle, burnt. Like all these different places um, had these mysterious fires that were happening. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys experienced that, uh, uh, you know, in your in your neck of the woods. <clears throat> but it was just this really crazy coincidence that seemed to connect these weird experiences that were happening there. 
Um, for the uh, audience, if you have any questions for um, Chris, I put a link in the chat. Um, you can go ahead and hit the link. Make sure you only hit the audio portion of it, and you can ask if you have any questions or comments for Chris. I was Chris. I wanted to tell you. Um, I don't know if you know that in 1760, there was a date. Was the very first UFO documented yep. UFO report um, in that area. It was mm -hmm. directly over the Bridgewater Triangle. It was in, uh, then in 1908, local papers reported on another UFO sighting. Yeah. And then in 1968, there were several witnesses to, to a large ore floating in the area. And had you, had, did you know that this was a hot spot for UFOs too? Well, I didn't know it when I first started out, but definitely, you know, during, as I'm getting into that research, because Chris and I were working on so many different things that overlapped each other, right? So people say to me, well, you know, they automatically assume that I, well, you're, you're into UFOs, you're into Bigfoot, you're into, and I'm like, well, sometimes you can't avoid it, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's the same question of like, you know, is, is this, this uprise in teen suicide connected to the ghost? Well, is that also connected to the reason why there's so many UFO sightings in that area? Um, now, some of those can be explained because there are kind of like bases in that area. So there's a lot of black mm -hmm. helicopters, yeah. Um, when we're talking 1760, there's no helicopters. No. Never mind black no. helicopters. <laughs> Never mind unexplained things. So then you get to the next logical thing that people want to say, which is like, well, it's a swamp. It's swamp gas, which I think is one of the great um, lies of the paranormal world. This the, the swamp gas, which has never really been able to be fully explained and proven to me that these things like ghost lights are only swamp gas being ignited. Um, because as far as I know, things that are ignited don't tend to dance and like move in and out of each other and play with each other and stuff like that. So people say the UFOs are that. Um, there's a really good story. So obviously, as I'm saying all this, people need to go out and see the documentary. It's free on Amazon mm -hmm. Prime. It's posted to YouTube now. So I think you can watch it free on YouTube. Um, they do a really great, they have a really great story about the two news reporters. I don't know if that is that the 60s one you're talking about. Uh, I don't, I don't hear, I don't know. I don't recall that. So yeah, I, there's a, there's a really good, there's a really good story in, in that documentary told about two news reporters who see a, uh, who see a UFO in the, in the triangle. And it's so credible because it's two people who have the 1968. Yeah. Was it the 1968? I can't remember the 1970. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so it's, 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 it's people who, you know, like I said, they have everything to lose by telling their story and yet they can't, they feel compelled to tell it. And then they retell it for this documentary. And it's, mm -hmm. it's one of the moments of the triangle because, you know, okay, maybe we're all crazy. Maybe the people I talk to, maybe the people I uh, get my stories from, they, they've misidentified something or they're just loony, lunatics or whatever. Like these are two people who are literally coming back from a story that they, you know, that have just reported on that see it that talk about it at the time and their story has been consistent through the years and they're still willing to talk about it despite the fact that everyone thinks they're a loon or everyone thinks that they're, you know, that there's something wrong with them for saying this. Yeah. There's so many different stories and it goes back to the, just that the Indians cursed the land, just going back to like the skinwalker seems like Indians and uh, a lot of different uh, where there was like bushy run battlefield. A lot of people think that the land was cursed too. And uh, just anywhere there's Indians, um, 
I believe, and it goes back to poltergeist and all those, you know, stories about the all the the land is built, or the houses or the developments were built on a, uh, you know, Indian burial ground. Indian burial and it seems ground. like well, probably they did curse the land. I think that the interesting thing, and this goes hand in hand with what I was talking about with the King Philip's War, whereas I don't think it's a good enough explanation for the triangle. And here's here's the other part of that, Freetown. Um, Wait a minute, Chris. Do you think it's not cursed? You don't believe that that the no, Indians cursed? I don't. I think. I think that. I think that the over over the course of history, the Wampanoags have had as much trouble in the Triangle as we do today. Okay, yeah. so what is your analysis of it? What do you believe it is? I don't know. Every time you think you can explain it, it gets explained away. What I was, what I was going to say is the word Hockamock. And I find it amazing. You were able to say Hockamock, but couldn't say Bolgano. That was amazing. The Hockamock wow. means place where spirits dwell, right? Like, in other words, they knew that as a place where weird things were going on. Freetown, they didn't want it, right? They were so, they would never go there except for one time during the, the summer seasons when the, when the settlers, when Plymouth Colony were like, we want this huge part of land. They're like, yeah, sure, take it. We hate it. It's haunted. <laughs> so, even before the settlers got here, then you talk about uh, the Wampanoag who are in the triangle right before the settlers got here. There was a disease that like a flu type epidemic that wiped out uh, uh, only the areas within the triangle. Right. And the Wampanoag like lost a third of their population, whereas the tribes that were around in which they regularly traded with were almost unharmed. So there are things that were happening to the Native Americans before we got here, before King Philip's War. Now, do I think that there might, do I think that, that this is the, this is the palette, right? And do I, and, and curses are kind of drawn on it as well. So mm -hmm. for example, I'm a firm believer that the wampum belt um, um, is, is a real story. I believe that the wampum belt needs to be returned for there to be some level of normalcy. However, I think it has a lot to do with, and and if you are a practitioner of witchcraft, any from anywhere along the spectrum of that, you know there are certain places, certain times of the year, certain where your spells are amped up, and I think that goes for curses as well. And so, therefore, I think things that things things that might be cast in the triangle, and I've had people from uh, cults, from witchcraft, from voodoo, from uh, from different. Uh, um, practitioners of, of energy tell me that um, the triangle makes their spells on steroids. And I think the same oh. thing can be said for curses. And therefore I'm not saying curses in the triangle are don't exist. I'm mm. saying they're not the reason for everything. They're the juice that makes them even more uh, hmm. um, impactful. Okay. This is like uh, really totally interesting. Uh, oh, definitely. For me, um, a couple, two questions. Um, first one, did they um, have people that have gone into the swamp and actually never came back? Like they were... Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that every once in a while you hear of a story like that. But the more, the more disappearances have happened in the Freetown State Forest. Okay. I, think, I, I know this sounds crazy, I think you can't get lost in the Hockamock because you can't get into the Hockamock, right? Like you're never right. too far away from someplace 
where like, okay, I just can't go any further. Whereas the Freetown State Forest, there's all these trails and then the trail ends and it's like, wait a minute, I'm seeing something kind of over in that area. It's only slightly off the trail. I won't get lost. And so you have lost hikers. But what you also have is where Freetown is, it's in close proximity to Boston, to Brockton, to Providence, Rhode Island, to uh, um, um, to the Cape, uh, like Cape Cod. And so people commit crimes other places and it ends at the Freetown State Forest. Oh, okay. It's a dumping ground then, right? Right. They oh, abduct geez. someone from Plymouth and they dump the body in, in Freetown. And so what yeah. you have are a lot of cases of disappearing people that end at the Freetown State Forest. And you'll have police tell you, there's no way we're ever going to solve some of these cases. We're never going to find these bodies. The most haunted place in the Freetown State Forest is this place known as the Asanet Ledge. And the quarry that's there is so far down and so cold that divers can't find stuff. Like they, it's so dark, they go down there. Now, I don't know if in modern times, like in the last 10, 15 years, they've tried it. I haven't heard of them doing it. But people know that bodies have been dumped there. Snitches have told people, uh, yeah, I, yeah, they dumped him in the quarry. They dumped him in the quarry. And they can't find the bodies because it's so deep and dark and cold. So... There are a lot of uh, question marks. Stuff happens in a place like Fall River or New Bedford, um, which are pretty pretty hard cities. People disappear, and then it always seems to end up in the Freetown State Forest, or you know, or they are rumored to end in the Freetown State Forest. That combined with the fact that people get lost there every single year, because it mm-hmm. goes from not very thick to very thick to confusing to everything looking the same very quickly. So there are more disappearances in the, in the, in the fall river Freetown state forest than there are in the Hockamock only because I think people can't go into the Hockamock. Okay. okay. You looks like you have a, um, a question from Carrie, Carrie, uh, go ahead and uh, ask your question or comment. I am wondering if because of the time of year, you know, the idea that the veil is thinner this time of year until, um, all Saints Day. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is why there are more sightings, for lack of a better term, of paranormal type activity? Um, are you talking about just in general or in uh, the triangle? In the triangles and in yeah. general, but in both. Actually. So um, I would say uh, there are not many. Um, there are not many sightings in the wintertime because it's wintertime. But there are just as many things that happen in the summer as in the fall, right? Okay. There's just as much activity. So I think now that said, if we push the paranormal stuff aside, like in my book, it's called Cults, Crime in the the Paranormal. Um, What you see is a, 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 not as much now, but in in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, you saw a ton more abductions, cattle mutilations, things like that during this time of the year and also around satanic holidays um, because there were, there were um, deep ceremonies going on in there. So that traditionally, that kind of activity uh, ratcheted up, but there's stuff always happening in, in the triangle. Any more questions for him or Sean or Jason, Carrie? But I definitely... Um, I definitely, think in general, I definitely think in okay. general, um, 
we have these holidays at certain times of the year for a reason, right? Like they, in other words, we didn't just say, Hey, this, and then like the, the supernatural world conformed to that. I think we place these holidays at times when paranormal activity in general increases. So I would agree with that part. Well, when, when I was a kid in Northern Pittsburgh, they used to call it a triangle where I lived. You would kind of drive in there and just get lost and you'd be on a road that took, five minutes for 20 minutes yeah you would like disappear and that always seemed to happen more this time of year really now i so i talked to um uh, so i was talking about ocala i don't know if you caught the beginning of the show but i was yeah. talking about the crazy experiences here in the ocala forest and there's someone who i who lives right down the road from me in this little town i'm in in florida who uh, has a, a deep history of, of paranormal here in, in the in florida and so we've connected a few times and I interviewed him for my book and he has the exact opposite. He says like the Ocala, for example, goes dead in October and doesn't like rise and show its face again in, until March. So it's mm. odd here in this state. It does the exact opposite. It seems at, at least in terms of um, at least in terms of paranormal activity in that place, in that location. Um, but what it does have, which you were talking about is it does have, and now that I've explored this in the Ocala here in Florida, I look back at some of the stories that I documented in Freetown, and it has uh, what I call the, the slip, right? Which is a little bit different than a time slip, but it's just things seem to be a little bit off, right? And this goes to the voice yeah. you were talking about earlier. The idea that, and now I look, like I said, I look back in Freetown, the idea that hunters, right, who GPS everything they do, right? They find a good location. They mark it. Other people know it. This rock right here is where I saw the, the, the best boar and blah, 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 and I'm going to come back here. And they go back to that exact location uh, two weeks later, and there's no, there's, no, there's no rock there. The location's not there anymore. They go back a oh, week wow. later, and it's there again, right? It just seems as if, like, things shift, right? Like, things slip slightly. And I think that happens more frequently um, – the closer we get to these veiled times that you're talking about and these, and these um, celebrations. Well, thanks I'm aware of two areas thanks, right Carrie. around here. Thank you, that. Carrie, for your questions. Thank you. Have you. Guys. Thank you, bud. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> this hey, is, uh, Chris, this is what, very the, what would you say would be like your most intense personal experience? Like with all the research you've done, like, when you're digging into these things and investigating yeah. and stuff like that, like what, what struck you the most? It's great. Like, so about, about seven years ago now, I took down uh, Massachusetts paranormal crossroads. I left the business altogether kind of thing, you know? Um, and it was, I'm done. Like I have no place. I felt as if the ideas that I had, uh, the things I were expressing were, were not in line with what was uh, not, not necessarily popular, but what was, like grabbing people's attention and, and, and um, their ideas weren't my ideas. And so I came back about five years ago. I'm coming up on my fifth year anniversary, um, deciding to put the investigator to sleep completely and, and to revisit so much of what I used to do as a legend tripper, right? Okay. So as someone who focuses on experience over evidence, and I don't give a crap whether people don't believe that something happened at some place because – 
it, to a folklorist and to a legend tripper, it only matters that people think stuff happens there, right? And so therefore your personal experience is your personal experience. And it just because I can't produce something doesn't mean that a place doesn't have a rich haunted history and that something didn't happen to me more importantly. Since hmm. I've done that, which I feel uh, purified what I do to some degree, like kind of uh, crystallized my, my intent, I've had more profound experiences um, than, than I ever have. So one of the ones that touches my, my heart desperately, right, is that there's this uh, – um, so in Tampa, everyone knows Tampa, um, there is this place called Fort DeSoto. And way too long to get into the entire story of Fort DeSoto. But we went there initially because there was a story of a ghost fisherman, right? A guy who fishes right on the right before you get to Fort DeSoto who tries to pick up hot chicks. Uh, <laughs> uh, right? And so uh, we've got, actually, we were talking about the other night. I saw it on my show. We saw some remnants here on the board. We tried to get Tinder to sponsor that episode of the show. Like, so we essentially, my, my partner at the time, absolutely beautiful woman, we're like, we're going to get you hooked up with a ghost. Like, we promoted it that way. And, da, 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 da. and it was really fun, right? And nothing, you know, spoilers, she, she didn't get she didn't get a, a date. Um, <laughs> so we were doing more research into Fort DeSoto. We discovered that this was a place of great tragedy. So we went from this, like, hee, 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 like, let's hook up, to really discovering the place had uh, uh, um, just a cloud over it, right? Just a lot of tragedy. And what happened essentially was, it, I mean, it's in, it's in freaking Florida, right? Like no one wanted to go to this base. Everyone got sick when they went there. They never shot their guns in defense, right? Uh, only to practice. And eventually they're like, we have all this land, we have all this building. We don't need, we're going to turn into a quarantine. So anyone coming into Tampa would have to go to Fort DeSoto to quarantine if people thought they were sick. Then when yellow fever broke out, the entire place became a yellow fever quarantine, right? And so all of these people died having to do with that, right? The most intimidating, scary bridge I've ever been on, the Skyway Bridge. If you've ever been to Florida, I don't know if you went over it when you were in Florida. Um, it connects what we'll call the mainland to like St. Pete. Um, it's the most intimidating bridge I've ever been on. And it, uh, it got hit and all these people died and they were taken to Fort DeSoto, which was right across the water. Uh, and they were laid out in the hospital that remained from the quarantines. Uh, and that was the mortuary for all these people who died there. Oh, oh wow. So oh, one story uh, kind of stuck with me. And this, is, this story is actually in Haunted Love because haunted, you know, Florida Haunted Love Stories is also about the love of a mother and her children, the love of something that you do that forces you to come back after you're dead to do it. Hmm. This woman had uh, six children and she uh, – the, the way the buildings worked were depending on the level of sickness, you were in certain buildings. So someone who was a little bit sick wasn't exposed to someone who was really sick and, and got it worse. And it, That was their logic at the time, right? And so uh, three of her kids were in the building with her and three of them weren't. And she used to sneak out of her building and she used to bang on the wall. And her one of her mm -hmm. sons used to bounce a ball off the wall so that he could like they could like so she would hit the wall, he would bounce the ball off of it. Um, and so her children died uh, without her being able to see them. 
right? Oh and then because of the quarantine area, she got shuffled. I love the fact that you guys don't think that this is just a legend, that you think this is true. That's amazing. I love you guys, right? <laughs> so We love you too. <laughs> so we, so we, we went there, and we were at the foundation of the hospital. And uh, the, my partner at the time, uh, she um, just – like she, she – our, our angle used to be she was the one who would ask all the questions, and I would be the one to like – I was the, you know, authority or like the expert or whatever you want to say. And that was our dynamic. And then we would go out and all the stuff would happen to her because she's so sensitive. Right. Mm -hmm. So we were, we were uh, sitting there and she had a tape recorder and our, you know, we would always document everything with video pictures and audio primarily to get records of everything. But then also, you know, our deal was if you plug it into the car stereo, on the way home and you don't hear an EVP, you don't go searching for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, because we don't care about evidence, but if it's so obvious, like we embrace it. So she's at the building and she's just, what her method was, was just having conversation. And so she's walking around the foundation. I'm in a different part. Uh, I'm a few buildings over. She's walking around the foundations and she says to the spirit, um, I, I, I'm a mother too. I have three children. I know your pain. Like, I know what you experience. I, I know I can sympathize with you. I, I know it. I know your pain. And on the way home, when we listened back to that spot, it was so loud to not even need to be turned up. You hear a voice go, no, no, you don't. Um, oh, jeez. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> it's, it's, I, we used to jokingly say it was, it was the, the EVP that ended the show. Um, <sighs> Until we actually, until she actually did leave the show, and so then it wasn't funny anymore. But <laughs> it was that moment where it's not scary, it's not creepy. It's a little bit creepy. Yeah, it's, but it's it's, it's, it's creepy. Yeah, it's confirmation, <laughs> not just only of that someone was there and interacting with you, but the fact that grief exists after death. Right, yeah. like that sorrow, that yeah. sadness. That's not a psychic recording. That's not you hearing hearing a noise and saying it says "get out." Like you know, that is a sentence that even the voice itself has such sorrow in it. You have to realize that what we do, uh, whatever level we do it at, is profound. Right, and we're and we're and we're we're touching upon things that don't just have to do with energy or or, or pseudoscience or folklore or psychic connection, but like a, a smack dab, big ball of all of it rolled it together. And so it was one of those moments that every time I think about it, even today, I have to like take a step back and be in awe of, of what, of what we do sometimes. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Oh, wow. That's Jason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jason. A lot of great stuff. Definitely. I know. You know, it, it's, it's, just... In terms of my yeah, own yeah. experience in the triangle, if, if people want to, uh, after after they after they finish the show, Google when Puck Wudgie's attack, um, <laughs> that was probably one of uh, one of the most intense experiences I've ever had in the triangle. Um, what? When Puck Wudgie's attack. Pudge um, Wudgie's. What are they? Puck Wudgie's. What? what are they? <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Okay. So um, <laughs> how much time do we have? Uh, so <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Pukwudgies are um, think of them as a troll, right? Think of them as a troll uh, in Wampanoag culture. And if people want to conceptualize Wampanoag, think like Squanto. Think like the people who who 
you know, met with the pilgrims that very first Thanksgiving, met them like when they landed in Plymouth Rock, all that stuff. That's the tribe we're talking about. They are an element of their folklore, which like the sto- other stories I was telling you, people were telling me their experiences and asking me to, to understand, like trying to understand what's happening to them. What are these things that we're seeing? There are these short, usually about between two and three feet uh, tall, um, long hair, sometimes hairy, like overall sometimes hairy, uh, elongated nose who um, seem to be walking the woods and, and we would stumble upon them, right? So uh, the first two experiences that I got, really the first three experiences, all fall the same kind of uh, pattern. And the pattern is this. They're in the Freetown State Forest. All three of these happen in the Freetown State Forest. But I've documented dozens of these uh, in that area and then also different parts of the United States. They see this creature. They stumble upon it in the woods. They kind of do a double take and the thing is gone. Right. Mm-hmm. And they wonder, what was that? That's kind of if you if you uh, Jenny, you, you watch the documentary, the infamous you want you experience. People sometimes debate whether or not that's a Pukwudgie experience in the, mm. in the documentary, um, which I would say yes, because there are different species of Pukwudgies, if you will. That's a crazy <laughs> name. Twist is. Who, who would even think of Pukwudgie? <laughs> the, the twist, the twist is this, right? I'll, if you want, I'll tell you where the name comes from afterwards. So, All right. Twist <laughs> yeah, is this, right? That. All three of those experiences, all three of them, said they were someplace different days later. Hmm. And when pressed, they all said three days, but that could just be a folklore thing happening in the back of their mind. All three of them saw the Pukwudgie again on their, uh, at their house, right? Or on their turf. Two of them, one of them woke up to find the Pukwudgie at the foot of their bed. And there was just a staring contest for about a minute. And then there was a noise. She looked back and it was gone. The uh, second one, uh, saw the puck wedgie. They were waiting for their girlfriend in a car in a parking lot. And the puck wedgie was just in their rear view mirror uh, watching him. Right. And when he looked back, it was actually gone. The third, the woman, uh, once again, Salem's lot, the woman looked Salem, up the oh. window to see the puck wedgie pressed up against her window. She was asleep on the second floor. Oh, so wow. Can imagine waking all up to that. Three of them <laughs> used almost the exact same terminology when describing the experience or what they were getting was I got the sense he was telling me to not go back into the woods and that if I did, he knew where I lived. Okay. Okay. Those were the initial three reports I got. And so when I began this research, so now my puck wedgie research, we're talking 1999, 2000, maybe Um, there were no references to puck wedgies anywhere on the internet. Um, they were, uh, uh, except for, they were in a a book called the good giants and the bad puck wedgies. And a guy by the name of Joe Citro referenced puck wedgies when he was talking about the Dover demon case. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the Dover demon case. It's a cryptid case from the 1970s that Lauren Coleman, same guy for the triangle happened to be like in the town as it was happening. So it's very well documented. <clears throat> you guys should look that up a little bit later. But he says, the Dover Demon is not a puck wedgie. And I'm like, and I'm friends with Joe Citro. I'm like, boy, you can't throw something out like that and then like not back. What the hell is a puck wedgie? Yeah, really? <laughs> so finally, using this kid's book, it's, a, it's literally a kid's book. 
um, I was able to use references in there to go back to a, a, an older book of folklore, which then led me back to even older folklore and discover that these were something that the Wampanoag have, have had dealt with for hundreds of years in their own society. Uh, they were um, kind of like well, your typical, your typical small um, um, creature in, in, in whether it's a leprechaun, whether it's a gremlin, whether it's they're tricksters, right? They, they, they do bad stuff. Um, they're held responsible for anything that goes wrong. Oh, that is the worst picture of a puck white. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's the description. <laughs> no, right. Um, um, and so, and so they, um, they, and then at some point they turn evil, right? They go from just being uh, jerks to actually kidnapping babies to burning villages to, um, we were talking about disappearances early. They were held responsible for a uh, disappeared uh, uh, Wampanoag who walked into the woods and never seen again. They were told that they were taken off by, you know, they were captured by Puckwudgies. I've been able to track the Puckwudgie name to different tribes across the country and into Canada. Obviously, every culture has Puckwudgies in them. They're just called different things. The, the reason I think why Puckwudgies, <laughs> other than my brilliant writing, I think the reason why puck wedgies have caught on and have kind of like become this thing on the internet now is because they're called puck wedgies and it, and it sounds funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but the name, what I discovered, uh, I went to Indiana and uh, Indiana is not only the crossroads of America. Um, hundreds of years ago, it was, um, it was a meeting ground for all of these different tribes because it aligned with the mounds, the mounds that you guys have in Pennsylvania. That is an even worse picture of a puck wedgie. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they, um, they were aligned with the mounds. They were all this stuff, and it all centralized on Indiana. And in, and in this this park that I was able to go to in Indiana, I was speaking to one of the rangers who happens to have a master's degree um, in, in, in the study of these mounds and their connection to folklore and their – Tribes from all across North America would come to Indiana to bury their most sacred dead, right? That's the reason why you hear all these famous, like, uh, Native Americans in stories. <coughs> they don't have any graves because their most sacred dead were brought to Indiana and they were buried in these burial mounds, which aligned with lunar cycles and, and solar cycles and all this stuff that's way beyond me to completely understand. And they didn't have a common language, right? So you'd have all these different tribes. It would be like going into the UN and having no one speak anything other than their native language. But they would talk about these stories. And the word Pukwudgie, which was an Algonquin word, so it comes from the Northeast, caught on with um, – now you guys are just messing me with, with, with these oh pictures. Of <laughs> I'm not tough. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so the word caught on, and it was like, became this umbrella term for – little creature that messes with us. Um, and so when I say there are different breeds of them, now the, the interesting thing about puck wedgies and the other reason why I think, and you guys are giving great examples of this in the art that you're showing. It's such, we talked about earlier, right? That like we, we, we lack onto things that are familiar to us. Small little creature uses ghost lights, which they call Taipei Wonkas to their advantage to draw people. All of these are things we've heard from other kinds of folklore and so the part of the reason why puck wedgies have shot off is that you can take your imagination and what you think of and you can put it onto the puck wedgie in the same way that they were blaming everything for the on the puck wedgie 500 years ago. 
we can put our ideas of what it is. There's no stories. There's no lore. There's nothing in the lore or modern day experiences that describe them as having claws and big teeth and like, and like vicious. Right. And yet so much of the artwork has that in it because we romanticize it and we kind of put our fears and our excitement into it. Isn't it sort of like the child, the children's story where the wild things are? Um, well, if you mean in that, that it's all in his imagination. I'm well, not no, that this people, what this creatures look like. I'm with you. Um, well, the, the, if I, I I'm a teacher, I, it's funny cause I actually use that book <clears throat> to teach my student, my seventh grade students, how to, um, read analytically. So we did that book last week. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Those things are huge. Well, they look and, sort of like them. I mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that I think that the um, a kid's imagination of what a monster is uh, translates to us as adults um, imagining what monsters is. None of the things you showed look anything like a puck wedgie, um, but those are artist concepts that they have um, they've taken what it does and a little bit of its physical description and they've made it. So I would agree that there are some common things that we think bad guys should look like and i think where the wild things are you know and gnash their horrible teeth and roll their horrible i see like you've got me in teacher mode now um <laughs> a wild rumpus start um i think that, that those are that's a really good picture of what we think monsters should be and i think the thing about puck wedgies now on the internet especially is that they're what we think they look like but none of those things that you showed actually are. are and these puck wedgies are small. And there was a, um, oh gosh, it was a story. It was a, a television, like a movie. And these little, like it looked like a little um, native little guy about this high was attacking this woman with his little sword. Yeah. Was I think that's a trilogy of terror. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, these are, these are like the size of small children. They're three feet tall. Okay. You know so they saying? like, well, yeah. Are they little alien people? Now, it's funny you should say that um, because this goes back to our alien discussion. It goes back to our cryptid discussion. Um, it's all a lot of this stuff is the filter that we have. Right. So uh, where go back to Chris Pittman, where Chris Pittman at the Asana ledge sees UFO sightings. I see ghost lights and Tai Pai Wankas. Right. Um, the lights, they rise from the ground. They, you know what I'm saying? Like, so there's there, it's not a confusion. It's what we see. I have had more than one person who for years thought they had been abducted by an alien from their bedroom. Read my descriptions and hear some of my stories and read some of my stories about Pukwudgies and say, I think it was a Pukwudgie in my room that night. And I think like it showed me something else. And now that I think about it, I can remember that I saw something days before in the woods you know what I'm saying? So I don't, once again, like so much of, uh, like so much of this stuff, there really is, it's no definitive answer. Are they cryptids? Are they, are they, do you put them in, in ghouls? Are they supernatural? Are they paranormal? Like they kind of cross everything, which is why so much can get added onto them. I just want to make a, a little quick uh, thank you to our second hour um, sponsor Carnation, a shout out to you guys. Thank you. This is a great way to start your morning and, it's coming up baking time. Don't forget to get your carnation milk to make those great pumpkin rolls. Okay, guys. Thanks oh. again, uh, Carnation, for sponsoring our mm. second hour. Thank you. You're going to love it in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> I don't know. This seriously, before I, I was saying, it, this is like really totally interesting. And um, I was talking uh, to Russ and Jason about um, doing a road trip out there. Yeah. So, yeah. where would you recommend do, would be the best? Yeah. What 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 do you recommend us? Because seriously, I do want to go out there because it is so fascinating when yeah. I read some of it. So what do we, how would we, where would we go? I, I think the, the, the two, um, the two safest, say question mark, um, and easiest places to get public access to are the Freetown State Forest um, and Rehoboth, Massachusetts. In Rehoboth, Massachusetts, you can see uh, the Haunted Horbine School. You can see the Shade Factory Pond. You can see, uh, and you can look for the redheaded hitchhiker. You can see the redheaded uh, hitchhiker. I want to hear about the redheaded redheaded hitchhiker of Route Forty Four. <laughs> um, you can see uh, uh, the um, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm uh, 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 the Rock. I can't believe I uh, um, I could tell you the story about the Rock, but for some reason it, it's uh, it's totally blanking me out. But it's the, <laughs> it's, it's the it's the site that ends King Philip's War. Like the surrender happened at this rock. Please, someone okay. in the chat room know what I'm talking about and, and, and <laughs> pop into it. Because it's killing me, right? Because it's like, the mo- I've been there like 27 times and I can't come up with what the name is off my head. You'll remember it at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Right, I bro. will, and then I'm going to call each and every one of you. <laughs> All right, brother. Um, that's a really good location because those are uh, great haunted locations, especially like uh, uh, um, the rock People have gotten really powerful um, evidence there, right? So if that's your thing, um, the, the looking for the redheaded hitchhiker is fun. Um, so it's this kind of combination of great folklore as well and, and, and stories that have developed around these places, as well as um, uh, uh, people have real experiences there. And so you can kind of get caught up in both those things. You can have a great time reading all the stories. Uh, of a place of a place like the rock and then uh, go there and you're like, Oh crap, this, this, this might be real. What people are saying about this, you know, no, that'd be uh, no problem. <laughs> uh, and, then no the second, problem for us. and then the second place, which is uh, uh, more intimidating um, would be the Freetown state forest. And there are places that are easy to get to easy, like in, in terms of, you know, a haunted wood where satanic cults have worshiped, uh, sacrificed people. Um, oh, they're, easy, they're places that are easy to get to that, once again, have more modern folklore attached to them um, and yet are still uh, very active and people have a lot of experiences there. So you said wow. those two were like kind of like... Anawan Rock. Anawan Rock. I just there saved you guys. I'm going to wake you up. It's Anawan Rock. Anawan Rock. <laughs> Not it. Thank I didn't you. remember these these names, Puck Wedgie and Anawana Walk. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's funny because you... You just you said them a thousand times. You've been there, and then you and then I in a conversation will be like blah 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 puck wedgie. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, what's that? And you're like, oh yeah, like not everyone's inside my head. Um, but also just to end up on puck wedgies, puck wedgies are now so popular they're part of um, Harry Potter. No, that's what you should be making. You're a school teacher. Make some puck wedgie dolls. <laughs> well, not that I'm not the home ec teacher, um, but what we do, we're actually uh, we're actually right now creating our own folklore and creating our own myths. So I've got half the class creating folklore and half the class creating myths. And I think it's really interesting 
and kind of connects to what we're talking about, that all of my students who are creating gods, right? So they're working on mythology. They're creating gods. Almost every single one of them. The I person- thought you said guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. We had, we had one of those in the, in the district this week. Um, but the people who are creating gods and heroes, but mainly like gods, like Hercules was born Hercules, right? Um, all of their gods have something happen to them, like an origin story. They've watched too much Marvel, too many Marvel movies. Yeah. All of their, uh, or they're also obsessed with Slender Man and Midnight Man and, um, and, 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 and Blue Baby and all these things. What, what grade do you teach? I teach seventh right now. I just okay. went back to middle school. Okay. Yeah. I taught high school. Uh, I taught middle school, then I went to high school, and I just came back to, uh, to middle school this year. That's nice. Yeah, and I've got all this stuff all over the place. So all my students all know what a puck wedgie is. They all know about your puck wedgies. Although they also also can't pronounce my name. Sounds like something that happens in gym class. How do you pronounce your last name? All right, so it's Balls, right? Balls. Don't be scared of the balls. It's Balls. Balls. Balzano. There's no P in it. I don't even know where you were getting a P. I don't know. I can't talk. Bazano. 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 Because I teach middle school um, and it's like, hee hee hee. I always have to, like the first day of class, I always say, don't call me Belzano. Right? It's like, it's okay. It's balls. Like, embrace the balls. It's fine. And then the last <laughs> thing, no. And then no one, the rest of the year, makes fun of my names or like, any, like oh, I have the big balls. <laughs> you know, or anything like that. Um, so I diffuse it the first day of class. That's I always good. get to laugh. And, and I tell everyone else, like, just embrace the balls. It's okay. It's balls on them. What, um, do you have any, like, uh, trips um, that you're going to be planning on going to get more uh, stuff for your books? Because I know you'll probably end up writing a couple more. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, do you just I'm, come up with it in your mind? Or do you go to places well, and like- think of the story there? What, so what, what happened with the Ocala is I went to this small town and, and um, I, I think Pennsylvania is a lot like this, right? You've got these big places that everyone knows, and then you've got a thousand little towns that no one has ever heard of, right? And in yeah. Florida, you have the coast and then you have uh, not the coast, right? So what I always say Central Florida to me is not Disneyland this way. Central Florida is this, right? And that is just filled with town after town after town after town that was populated for 50 years and then for reasons unknown, but usually because of the railroads and resources died up, like it just became a ghost town. So there's a lot of places in Florida that have a weird, creepy feel that are completely abandoned, things like that. And so I was in this small little town right on the edge of the Ocala called Astor. And I was wondering why, like I didn't even have a book out yet. And this this library was coming to ask me to talk to, and I'm like, all right, whatever. I got there. There were like 20 people from the town. All of them not only had a ghost story to tell me about the town, but the other people knew this. Yeah, I know that story. They knew the town. Like they had all these ghostly oh, legends wow. there. In addition to it, we were taking a picture outside and, and it was morning time, right? It was like 11 o'clock. No matter where we took the picture from, we couldn't get light. Right, we and it was it was perfectly light out, and then we'd take a picture, we'd be in the dark. And as we were talking to each other, um, we we kept hearing echoes. We were literally right next to each other, and the vo- our voices were echoing just back and forth. And I'm like, something's going on here. Like, 
waves, sound waves, uh, um, um, radio waves, audio, audio waves, they're not traveling the same way, they, the way they do in normal places. Something as weird is going on. And then I started to notice I was getting a lot of weird stories from the Ocala. And therefore, I was like, you know what? This has got to be my next book because I have a ton of information about all of these little towns. And they're all really weird. And they all point at there's something dark going on in the forest. And so I posted in a uh, like a Florida history group in um, on Facebook, hey, I'm thinking about writing this Ocala book. And I am not in two days. I got over a thousand responses of people wanting to tell me their weird experiences there. I had never had that kind of feedback, that kind of immediate like you're on the you're on the trail of something. So I'm just now finishing up the Ocala book. My next big trip is uh, going to the Florida Keys. Doesn't everyone want to go to the Florida Keys? I was there. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm probably not going to go far enough to see my good friend Robert who's in I Kiev. did I saw him uh, I saw I've seen him twice both times uh both times afterwards the the love two loves of my life left me so I'm not eager to go see oh really anytime oh, soon. Wow. did you did you ask him for permission to take a picture or anything so the first the first time I met Robert <laughs> uh, was one of the only times he's ever left uh Key West it was in St. Pete, uh, the Ghost Hunters. Ghost Hunters was doing this big conference in St. Pete, and they brought Robert up. And I had no idea who Robert was whatsoever. This is uh, 2008. Okay. But I'm like 20 feet away from him uh, with my friend who's, who's, who's got a, a booth there selling stuff. And people kept walking up to me saying, <clears throat> can you take a picture of me with the doll? Oops. And I'm like, okay, so this must be a ghosting. And I take a Oops. picture. And then they come back laughing. They're like, okay, <gasps> Now, ask if you could take the picture and take the picture again. And I'm like, who the hell am I asking? They're like, ask the doll if you – and this happened to me like 20 times that day before I – you know, and I'm like, oh, oh I get it. <laughs> and then it was later that I learned of Robert's rules that you have to say hello to him. You have to ask for the picture. You have to thank him after you've taken the picture, and you have to say goodbye. And if you don't, you're either going to get into a car accident or in oh my, my. case, or in my case lose, the, uh, lose the love of your life. If you go to see Robert and you've been there, behind him and all around him are just letter after letter after yeah. letter. Oh, that was people, crazy. Yeah, of people who have had bad things happen to them after they've left Robert. And they write him and say, Robert, I'm sorry. I didn't say goodbye before I left. And I got into a car accident an hour later. Please forgive me. And oh, my goodness. Like all of this kind of stuff. And these people genuinely believe that their experience with Robert caused bad things to happen afterwards. It's sort of like a chain letter. So, do you think it that uh, do you think it's tied to like a curse from Robert, or do you think like it's just coincidental? From like, I, what's your opinion? Okay, so <laughs> I, I'm a folklorist, man. It's all real. It's all real. You know, like uh, you know, it's it's um. Okay, so where does it where does the damn doll come from? Right, like there's the right. the story that his grandfather brought it back from Europe. And put the clothes. I've never on. heard about this doll. Right. Um, but then that's not sexy enough, man. That's how boring is it to get a present from your grandfather, right? <laughs> so the it's uh, like three foot tall, too. It's right, right. One. It's huge. So I like the I like my favorite background story is that his father was having an affair with the with his nanny, right? Well, that's a good with, that's uh, a good with story. Uh, Jean's nanny. And uh, the wife found out and made and made them break it off. And so he fired the nanny. And so she was a voodoo priestess and she put a 
a curse on the doll. Because if we can't blame witches for things, what fun is the world, right? I recently did a show all about the folklore of how we blame uh, a witchcraft for anything that happens in our society. Like we're still doing it today, right? Um, yeah. I love that story. Now, if you really wanted to nail me down, I would say this dude was mentally ill. Like Gene was messed up. And, and I think that he created a tulpa himself and put all of his juice and all of his intent into this doll and gave the doll okay. life. You know what I'm saying? I can see that. I, I, I do. I, I can see that happening. It actually what, manifested him. I tell you what, when we went down there, this was just two weeks ago. And uh, I was like, you know, I really want to go to this fort and, you know, see Robert the doll and everything. And, uh, you know, as a paranormal investigator, you know, we take that seriously, very seriously, you know. So, which is not what happens when you take that tour, right? (laughs) Right. But I was, you know, I was taking pictures and everything, and I was making sure that I didn't get him in any pictures before I got to his exhibit and I could ask him for permission. Yeah. You know, so we did the whole hello, Robert, you know, asked for permission to take his picture, thanked him, and then we left a donation, you know, for the fort and everything. I mean, so far, you know, I, I think he left me alone, but I only That's took one look. picture too. You know? so part of part of part of the, the story of that, like part of the is that most people and I love it because like they gave they gave us, I'm like, dude, I don't want your I don't want your, your K2, like I don't want an EMF meter. And people are like, how does this thing work? Like, no, 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 like the most but I, but I think uh, I think what happens is this: most people, and if you take a step back, it makes sense. Most people, when they go in there, they want to screw at Robert at first, and so they take a picture because we don't know how long that permission lasts, right? So right. you take your picture without the permission first, right? And then you ask permission, and then you take the picture. Well, <clears throat> when you first get in there, you're excited. You are literally taking a picture into ple- something that's inside of plexiglass right from a weird warm. angle with lights all over the place, and then you're worried, <laughs> and, and then you get a bad picture, and you're like, "Must be a demon!" Like it just doesn't. <laughs> then what happens is the initial part of it wears off. You're more calm. You you ask. You snap the picture, and the picture comes out normal. So there might be. Um, so I am definitely a, a, a fan of the the lore of of Robert uh, and like everything that he that like that that story says. Except for I don't really believe in the voodoo priestess, but like the rest of that stuff and putting his uh, psychic juice into the doll, I am a total believer in. I don't know if I believe. I'm not going to screw with it, but I'm not sure if I believe as much in the Robert's rules uh, and Robert's uh, 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 rules and like. The, the 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 stuff that's around him now I don't necessarily believe in as much but I think that doll was definitely haunted when that guy was alive I have no well, I idea you, who this Robert is well, yeah. I tell, you what, Robert we, uh, tell Jenny tell Jenny I don't know we, I, we, I have never heard about there. this guy so so Robert um, which we, we, despite um, despite information out there is not the inspiration for, for Chucky at all um, Robert was bought. Or Voodoo Priestess backstory. You know the backstory, at least. So this three-foot doll, um, the little boy gave the doll his name, right? So his name was Robert Jean uh, Otto. He gave the doll Robert, and he took Jean for the rest of his life. And he would go walk around Key West. Now, Key West is a strange place. You're talking about New Orleans. I call Key West New Orleans Junior. You know what I'm saying? Like it tries <laughs> to be New Orleans in its in its feeling, uh, and there are a lot of aspects that are similar to it. 
So he would walk around and even for a rich artist family, that's pretty weird to have your kid walk around with this doll all the time. But then things would go missing in the house. Uh, little catastrophes would happen, fires, unexplained fires. And every time they'd say like, Gene, what's going on? He'd say, Robert, Robert did it. Robert did it. Robert did it. And so it became, which, and once again, even though that's usual, it's kind of cute when it's like a six-year-old boy. But now he's like 16 and he's still walking around the streets. He still walks around with a doll. Blaming this doll for all these weird things that are going on. People would see shadows in the house, things like that. He goes away. He goes to Europe to become an artist, to go to school. They put the doll up in the attic. Um, now all people are seeing Robert peering down at times from the attic. Oh, uh, the, the family, the auto family is hearing like something running um, running uh, in the in the attic. Sometimes Robert would be downstairs for no reason whatsoever, right? So Robert, uh, Gene comes back with his, with his new European bride, and they move into that house, and the parents move into a different house, which is also said to be haunted. He takes Robert out, and he makes, like, brings Robert back into his world because he's still obsessed with it. It oh, eats God. them. It is, is, has a special chair in the parlor. Uh, when they're sleeping... Robert is sitting up watching them. Um, and once again, all that stuff happens. The wife starts reporting that Robert is uh, moving all over the place. Um, so, you know, it's here, then it's moved over there. <coughs> the small fires are occurring. Um, she'll sometimes wake up and Robert will be like in the bed staring at her. Um, and so she demands, she says, it's either Robert or me. So he finally puts it back to sleep in the attic, right? Okay. Stuff starts happening. Sometimes he appears downstairs. People are seeing him peered, uh, peering down the window. Like all of those things are happening. You can't keep Robert down for too long. Eventually, they die. The house goes to someone else. Jeez. Written in the in the in the uh, in the sale that they're not allowed to move Robert. Um, and once again, the news people who move in have all these weird fires that happen. They see this shadow like running throughout the house. The doll sometimes will be downstairs, even though the lock the, the attic is locked. Until finally, uh, that museum, which used to be a fort, buys him, <coughs> excuse me, takes him from the attic, moves him to this fort. So it's funny that the, the last time I was in Key West, I talked my way into, my partner and I pretended that we were, we were engaged and we were mm -hmm. uh, looking, to, uh, looking to have our wedding at the artist's house where Robert used to live. And... Uh, just so that we could get this guy talking with us, right? And like, yeah. and then we're like, hey, isn't this weird? Like, wasn't it like some weird doll that was here or something like that? And the guy's like, oh, yeah. No, no, no. Until finally, he's like, nope, you can't go up there. It's an insurance <laughs> thing. I'm like, all right, dude, just like take the camera and get a picture of the attic for, our, for you. And he's like, finally, after hours, he's like, do you guys just want to go up there? I'm like, yes, that's why we're here. <laughs> you know, I might have written a book called about Florida love, but I ain't getting married to her. And so we were the we were the first people. Really, me. She she didn't end up going because he was just allowed one of us. I was the first person in the attic that didn't own the house uh, since Robert had been moved. And so it was really cool. Oh, Nothing ghostly happened, right. but you're sitting there going like, wow, like this is the birthplace 
of probably I always call him the uh, he's the paranormal rock star. Like this is the birthplace of the myth of, of the myth of one of the most famous ghost stories in Florida. And I'm just here, and and of course I'm I'm coughing because it's filled with dust. So but it was a beautiful <laughs> moment, nonetheless. I tell you so, what, man. When I when I took his picture, like when I was in that room, you know, the exhibit and everything yeah. was fine. But when I went to go take his picture, like I just had like the worst case of chills, like I've ever experienced. Yeah. You know, Explain to me. So you, when you go see this little doll, that you have to, they have rolls. He's big. <laughs> oh, this big doll. They have rolls yeah. that you can do because if you don't, you'll yeah. die or you get hit. Yeah. So cursed. Yeah. <laughs> when you when you enter the room, when you enter the the, the primary room. You have to say hello because that's only polite anyway, right? Yeah. You have to say hello to the doll. You have to ask to take Robert's picture. You have to thank Robert once you've taken the picture. And then you have to say goodbye to him when you leave. Or you have to say thank you for letting me come visit you. One or the other. Either way, it's it's lady's choice. Um, And if you don't do those things, people believe bad things happen to you. Wow. I don't think I'd want to go see him. Yeah, seeing some of those letters that were there, you know, it was really crazy to see. Like, people were like, oh, I unwillingly by accident, you know, got him in the background on a picture and then just chaos ensued shortly after. Oh, my God. Yeah. And my thing was, we, you know, we drove down there, you know, so it was 21 hours down or whatever, you know, (laughs) it's like, well, I don't want to take any chances. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I believe it enough that I'm going to say, thank you, brother. I love you before I go, right? I don't think I'd want to talk to him. So Key West, oh, wow. is a, Key West is a great uh, haunted destination for anyone. Like there are so many really good ghost stories. And like New Orleans, a lot of their ghost stories have to do with alcohol. So it's like bars and stuff you can go to uh, leading into it. But the, the, the Keys, like people think of Key West or the Keys, they think of only Key West. But there's a whole string of islands that lead down. Oh, and God, so yeah. the most recent show I did uh, what what I was talking about was the the, the uh, hurricane of 1935, which essentially wiped out over 500 people in the Keys, uh, specifically in one area of the Keys. And there are all of these haunted legends that are attached to that really uh, a horrific time in history, um, and which is only like a three day period. And um, uh, I want to go to all of them. So like that's my really big tour. You know, just to kind of summarize what it is you have uh over 500 people who died right some of which have never been found right they've Mm -hmm. never been discovered they've never been they just assume that they were lost at sea every once in a while someone in this part of the keys will be diving and they'll find a body uh underneath or like attached to the coral or buried underneath uh uh like a tree like uh, uh, the swamp trees that are down there and things like that. And I'd be like, oh, those are cool. For 1935. Um, and they'll bring the body up and they'll add another number to it. So World War II, World War I, horrific. The vets come back and the government owes them money, right? And they're like, we don't have any money. So what they did was they sent them out for work, right? So that's how they can pay the vets their, their money. So all of these, like a thousand, thousands, I should say, of World War One veterans were shipped down to Florida to help to reinforce the railroad, which ran from Miami. Actually, technically, it ran from Jackson, uh, um, St. Augustine and Jacksonville down to Daytona, down to Miami. And then over what is now, which is where you drove, the, the Seven Mile Bridge Highway, right? That was neat. So that all used to be a train track. Oh, wow. The, the, 
storm wiped out all of those worker camps. So in addition to the residents that were normally living there, these World War I vets <clears throat> who were actually like they were having they were intense. They were in like lean tos, like there was no support. The storm hit so quickly. Uh, they were like, well, there's nothing. I, I, one of my favorite things is that one of the uh, people who was predicting the weather was a, uh, a priest uh, in Cuba. And they asked him, well, what should we do to protect these people now that the storm is coming? And he went, I don't know, pray. Um, <laughs> all these people got wiped out. But then you're talking like this is in the, in the middle of the ocean. Like it's not that close to land. So they put a ban on um, they put a ban on shipping the bodies out. So they were under orders to round up the bodies of these people who had died and burn them and cremate them on site. Oh, wow. So you have uh, electrical storms, right? You've got sudden death. You've got horrible tragedy. You've got misplaced bodies that were burnt, regardless of what their religious ideas were. You mix that and like the mythology, the, the, the legends and the folklore that comes out of this event in that area it's just I've been dining on it for the last two weeks. And that's that's there's like five at least five locations I've attached to this story. Uh, and so I'm dying to I don't know if it would, the whole thing would make a book in and of itself, but that's definitely something I'm looking to explore. But that's great. I tell you what, the key lime pie downer is awesome. <laughs> yes, every place makes their own. So you can uh, under the under the pretense that you want to try all the different kinds, you can eat like eighty seven different kinds of key lime pie, and they're all amazing. different. Well, amazing. it was great having you with us tonight, Christopher. Where can someone uh, learn more about you and your books? Uh, the radio show is called Tripping on Legends. So wherever you get podcasts, you can download uh, Tripping on Legends. Trippingonlegends dot com is the main website. But to be honest with you. Uh, facebook.com backslash tripping on legends is probably the best place. That's where, that's where everything gets dumped into from the Instagram and from the Twitter all ends up in the Facebook. So that's probably the best place to go. Facebook.com backslash tripping on legends. Uh, and then of course, any of my books, uh, I've got nine of them out. Any of them, uh, can be bought at amazon.com. Or if you are, if you're in the Bridgewater triangle area, you can get them in your bookstores. Or if you're in Florida, you can get, uh, other than that, you can get them online wherever you get your books. Great. Well, thanks again thank for joining us tonight. Chris. It was great thanks, to have Chris. you. It was a thank you very much for having me, guys. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Well, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. Well, we ran out of time for our. We were going to talk about the no face gray, but we'll save that for next week. Maybe we can get a couple guests on about that. The documentary. That'd be cool. We'll that, that that was a freaky documentary, huh? That that was that blew me away yeah it was that, really interesting i i yeah i really enjoyed it i mean I'm, it's kind of i i kind of believe it you know like we talked i believe it right. i believe mm -hmm. it was i don't believe it was a ghost i think it was a gray that they actually caught we're going to talk about that next week because we ran out of time um any final thoughts on this guys i'm uh, on tonight's I'll, show that was a good yeah, one. I'm yeah, just impressed. Very informational yeah. and uh, very, very. You know, if anybody locals was, not busy this weekend, you know, we'll be up at the uh, Bigfoot UFO Paranormal uh, yep. Barbecue up in Dayton, Pennsylvania. And what are you going to talk about? Uh, we're going to give a presentation about paranormal experiences. You know, uh, how to help people. You know, talk about equipment and different things to get people started into it, and do some questions and answers, and you know. Are you going to have any oh, evidence yeah. to show them? Yeah. Yeah. I got uh, two computers. I got to uh, get everything down to one big flash drive and get all that ready. 
And what we're planning on doing too is when we're on stage, we're going to dance Facebook live it. We're going to yeah, dance I together, can do yes. that. Yes. We're going to Facebook live. We are. Um, That's yeah, cool. I like to watch it. it. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to send you what time we're. <laughs> There's, there talk, I like to see. I want to see you do the two step. <laughs> oh no, two step! It's the it's Irish drink. That's where I go. That's the torture Saturday on the horizon. Oh no, it is not going to be torture. It's going to be a day. I, is I it start Saturday. Is, is it Saturday afternoon? Yeah, it's a Saturday. I hope you have Saturday nice weather. What was the? Uh, I can't think of the name of the campground. Is that now? How um, far away is it from? Uh, from uh, it's like an hour, hour and a half. So it's right in yeah, it's about an hour for me. Yeah. Yeah, did you, you ever hear of Vandergrift? Yes. Okay, you, it's not about a half hour for up mm. from Vandergrift. So yeah, we'll you, post it on the Facebook page. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to. Um, I want to watch your presentation. Oh boy! Oh <laughs> no, that'd be fun. See, I could see that. I would. I would be. I would be upset <laughs> if you didn't. Yeah, and then we're going to. So that's what we'll do, Jason. We'll two step oh on the freaking thing. Yeah, that's for Two step together and talk about ghosts. Yeah. We'll, we'll pretend like we're fun. dancing with a with uh, ghost. Yeah, how about that? I'm going to go to the Renaissance Festival. I'm going to, I'm going to wear a uh, bustier and. Oh, wow. That's cool. You going to eat a, a turkey leg? Is that, find the, me a nice... eat Is that the one in New Stanton? Yeah, I'm gonna find myself. I like the pi- I'm gonna find myself a pirate. There you go. That'd be <laughs> good. Take pictures. Take oh, are you gonna get a turkey leg? Are you gonna have a turkey leg? I'm not really into the turkey legs. Yeah, no, it's healthy. It's turkey. Nah, I just like to. I just what do I get there? I don't even know. Do we even get food? Oh, they got kettle road corn construction right there. Ugh, what a nightmare. Kettle corn. Yes, kettle corn. Yeah. Is delicious. Then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Friday. To the Friday night, I'm gonna go to the. They have a Penn Township Festival. I'm gonna do that Friday night and Saturday night because they have bands cool. and stuff. Yeah, so, um, that's great. Come up yeah, to the barbecue. Fun. Yeah, Party come up on there. Saturday. Dayton, uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, we're coming to investigate with us on Friday. Oh sure. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Where yeah, are we, you investigating? We have a private In investigation. Va- Where? Yep. And Vandergrift. Yeah, Are you having Friday an investigation night. there, and you're going to go back on Saturday to Vandergrift? Yeah, we're just no, going to no, no. get a hotel. I'm confused. Yeah, that's a lot of driving. <laughs> now we have yeah, a no, private no, investigation no. Uh, on Friday in Vandergrift, and then we're just going to stay up there, and then because uh, we have to be there at 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, and it's an all-day event. You know, so we're not sure what time we'll be speaking, but uh, looking forward to it. That sounds yep, like fun. Too. Yeah, it maybe is. you'll see big barbecue and ghosts and Bigfoot. Okay. We're going to look for UFOs too, Jenny. We are. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to look for UFOs and Bigfoot. We did, my, we're uh, going to investigate it. I got my yep. roll of aluminum foil. Seriously, there's hat. a lot of UFO sightings again. Yes. I can't wait yes. till they come. I'm going to say, I, come pick me up. <laughs> pick me out of here. I can't stand it anymore. Seriously. Oh, I want, I, I hate it here. I, want, I just wish that the aliens would come down and blow us off. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Uh, be careful what you wish for, honey. Oh, mm. yeah. I would like to get... I would love it. As long as they... How, how, do, how do we all know that they're friendly? You know, they might... Well, they you know, are. They're, they're not... They're we friend, don't know they're, that for sure. They're... Um, they're not really friendly. They're just, you know... They're like Ashtar. 
That's, yeah, the, the <laughs> command. That's smart command. Pick yeah. me up, Ashtar. They'll be experimenting yes, yes, on you yes. without any anesthesia. Oh, Ashtar. How about she was so funny? Yeah. He's so what was handsome. Her name? Yes. Ashtar is so handsome with his long blonde hair and blue eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, you weren't on for that show, buddy. No. That was a wild one. That Ashtar. that just blew me away. This woman Ashtar. actually who did that? Who said that? Who wrote that? Oh, Ashtar. Man. I who wrote that it. in who wrote that in the chat? Was that Joe? Ash <laughs> Ashtar Command, yeah. Okay. I know. That was a creepy show. Astar Command. Nice. Well, I actually uh, enjoyed it because I was I was doing I was watching Amazon Prime and it was telling you how to, you can communicate with these people and you sit and you go into a deep meditation and you you start you can start communicating with them like gosh oh, whatever. Um, come to me, Ashtar. <laughs> well, I listen to meditation to put me to sleep. As soon as I go, I put on um all kind of weird stuff. Last night I listened to um campfire, like crackling fire. Yes. Did it work? The only thing was it was so bright in my room. My dog didn't like Ava didn't like it. So I had to turn, <laughs> I had to flip the phone. No, Ava sleeps with me. She's so funny. She's <laughs> she's so it, the dog weighs 90 pounds. Oh and she just she flips her legs up. You know how dogs do that they have their legs up in the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was laughing my ass off. I because she was on top of me. I couldn't oh, yeah. move. She took up <laughs> half the bed. Like, you oh enjoyed every second of it. I love my dog. Yeah, I love sleeping too. with her. I'd rather sleep with my dog than a man. Sorry, I do. I love oh my, my dog. <laughs> no, he's just more co- oh. guys well, they just hit you in the nose, but she does too. Oh man! And she Ow. snores. Her feet are huge. <laughs> she's more cuddable. Oh. You know, she's oh, soft and furry. <laughs> and she snores okay. really loud. Bestiality. Skeleton. Ew. Yeah, Who wrote that? Who wrote that? Who wrote oh. that? Is that Joe? That's disgusting. Was it, was it Joe or Augie? <laughs> no, it's from Paranormal. It must be Joe. Oops! I just. Okay. Okay. No, that's Aww. thickening. That's don't it's, go there, my dog. She, uh, time is, it, is it time to go? I can't even see anymore. I'm so it, I'm yes. losing it because I'm so tired. Okay, let's it's go. The witching hour. Bye. <laughs> well, thank you, <clears throat> thank you for tuning in to Chasing Prophecy. Next week we're going to talk about we'll talk about No Face the Grays. We'll we'll make sure we get and because we don't have a guest for next week, I don't believe. So we'll okay. get one for that. Okay, guys, thanks again for tuning in to Chasing Prophecy. It was great. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Put the ending on because I can't find it. Uh Uh-oh, where'd it go? Okay. Oh, no.